Well, hello and welcome to the CSF March monthly podcast. Now, before I review the papers today, I, I'd like to welcome Professor Anka Katrina to our CSF steering committee. Uh, she's the head of the Division of Rheumatology at the Karolinska Institute, where she's also achieved her PhD in rheumatology. She's absolutely marvellous. She's co-authored over 100 articles in peer-reviewed journals and has recently been awarded a prestigious consolidator grant by the European Research Council. She really is an excellent addition to our steering committee and we're very, very pleased to have her with us. Now, this month we've added three papers to the CSF website and today I'm going to review two of those for you. Uh, please find the detailed slide set of the papers on the CSF website. Now, the first paper we're going to talk about investigates the effects of baricitinib treatment on cholesterol and cardiac risk. Um, first author here is uh, Cheng Feng Ki from the First People's Hospital of Huaihai in the University of South China. Now, the background here, I think everyone now is aware that rheumatoid carries an increased cardiovascular risk. We're not entirely sure of what mechanisms drive that, although they probably represent a combination of traditional and inflammatory related pathways. With respect to baricitinib safety, um, we don't know enough as yet about the long-term effects that this drug could have on cardiovascular risk and indeed effects on the risk factors, if you like, those factors that in the normal population we use to predict risk, um, prevalent amongst those, of course, being cholesterol levels. So this study actually aimed to uh, give us additional insight to the clinical safety of baricitinib and focused especially on LDL and HDL cholesterol levels and the cardiovascular risk accrued. Cochrane analysis was performed and studies reporting the effects of baricitinib on plasma lipid levels in people with rheumatoid arthritis. Now there were some predefined inclusion criteria for studies to be eligible for this particular analysis. Patients had to be 18 years or older with active rheumatoid. Um, comparisons were baricitinib versus placebo or active control with or without any background therapy. So a bit of a mixed bag there. But in some respects that reflects our clinical practice. And the reported outcomes include the change scores of LDL cholesterol, HDL cholesterol, and an estimation of potential cardiovascular risk at the end of treatment. So is there a change somehow in what you would predict the risk to be? Um, statistical analysis here, well, as ever, they're quite complex in a meta-analysis type approach. Uh, they were interested in net changes in serum LDL and HDL cholesterol at the end of treatment from baseline in the baricitinib group compared to those in the relevant control groups. Uh, net least square mean change and net mean change of LDL and HDL cholesterol levels were pooled using the Dersimonian layered random effects model uh, respectively. Now for studies containing multiple intervention with different doses, a single pairwise comparison was created using a weighted average and pooled effect sizes were represented as weight differences with a 95% confidence interval. And the Framingham risk score and Reynolds risk score of patients were used to estimate cardiovascular risk and the number of mace in each group was extracted to calculate the risk ratio. And just remember the different composition parts contained within Framingham and Reynolds risk scores, particularly the impact, for example, of inflammatory markers. So the key results, well, baricitinib significantly increased the levels of LDL cholesterol after treatment when compared to placebo. That's not unexpected. We've seen that with tofacitinib and we'd already seen it in the individual study reports for baricitinib. HDL cholesterol also increased in RA patients after baricitinib treatment. Um, baricitinib induced changes 
uh, were more related to treatment dose rather than treatment duration. Again, something we've seen with other JAK inhibitors. And there was a significant association between baricitinib induced elevation of LDL cholesterol and HDL cholesterol levels with treatment dose. There was no significant association, however, found with treatment duration. And the pooled risk ratios of MACE and differences of cardiovascular risk scores were not statistically significant uh, across the groups. So what do we conclude from this? Well, uh, not unexpectedly, baricitinib treatment significantly induced LDL and HDL cholesterol uh, increases in the rheumatoid arthritis patients receiving active drug as compared to placebo. Uh, the, the, the increases were strongly associated with dose rather than with treatment duration. They, they generally, we start to see these changes within one to two weeks of the onset of therapy. But there wasn't a significant difference in cardiovascular risk between baricitinib and placebo groups during the 52 weeks of follow-up. I have to say that's a relatively short follow-up period when you're thinking about hard events in the cardiovascular world. And I really would urge us to be cautious, to look for further research in this area, and especially to look for robust long-term follow-up of the use of this and indeed the other JAK inhibitors in people with rheumatoid. Now let's turn to our second paper, which uh, on this occasion examined the comparative effectiveness of DMARDs and methotrexate in inadequate responder patients. So MTXIR patients and comparative effectiveness. Uh, I'll, I'll explain what that is just in a moment. The first author here is uh, Dr. Camin Castillo from Puerto Real University Hostel Cadiz in Spain. Now, we have a number of modes of action available to us now in the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis. And we really would like to know which of these drugs is the most cost effective. Indirect comparisons and network meta-analysis uh, provide information to help select optimal treatment options. Now, they're not the same as head-to-head -head studies, but they can give us indicative information to help us make wise choices. And this is a network meta-analysis compared the, the, the compare the efficacy of tofacitinib, biologic DMARDs and other targeted synthetic DMARDs and aim to determine the equivalence uh, of therapeutic agents across these different modes of action. A search was then carried out to identify clinical trials analysing the efficacy and safety of biologic DMARDs and targeted synthetic DMARDs. Now, the, the therapies that were included in this analysis include adalimumab, uh, tocolizumab, uh, tanercept, sertolizumab, anakinra, infliximab, golimumab, abatacept, and baricitinib and tofacitinib. So a, a range of biologic and targeted synthetic DMARDs there. Uh, selection criteria, well, have a look at the paper in detail, but essentially randomized controlled trials and double-blind studies, including biologic DMARD naive, people with rheumatoid arthritis with an inadequate prior response to conventional synthetic DMARDs. And the efficacy variable was an ACR50 measured at week 24. Intervention group was treated with biologic DMARDs alone or in combination with conventional synthetic DMARDs, provided that the predominant drug was methotrexate. Now, an equivalence therapeutic alternative methodology was used to assess therapeutic equivalence. A lot of these methods are coming over from the health economic literature. So again, read this, uh, but, but be, be a little cautious in interpretation. This methodology establishes criteria to evaluate whether the difference between two drugs exceeds a previously established range, this occasion 12%. 
So you get an odds ratio and a 95% confidence interval calculated for each treatment comparison. The, the response of each treatment is initially evaluated by comparing all treatments with placebo and methotrexate. And the equivalence therapeutic alternative is assessed by comparing drugs with each other in accordance with the response difference, initially comparing them with the drug that presented the best odds ratio result. So you're kind of setting a gold standard and then you try and look at the change rather than the absolute levels. Now, eight trials compared biologic DMARDs directly. The remainder compared uh, biologic DMARDs against placebo with or without methotrexate. And the treatment with the highest response was etanercept and methotrexate, although the 95% confidence interval was large and that reflects the small sample size. Now, the equivalence therapeutic alternative was applied by comparing differences in ACR50 at week 24, etanercept and methotrexate, the drug yielding the most prominent response. Now, none of the evaluated medications presented a difference in the response less than 12% and therefore did not meet the criteria to be considered equivalent therapeutic alternative to etanercept and methotrexate. Comparisons were then made to the next best performing drug in efficacy, sertolizumab and methotrexate. And remaining drug combinations conform to the efficacy criteria and could be considered equivalent therapeutic alternative to sertolizumab and methotrexate, except for adalimumab, and tofacitinib monotherapy and anakinra and methotrexate. So what do we conclude here? Well, sertolizumab or tocolizumab with or without methotrexate and abatacept and fliximab, golimumab, adalimumab, baricitinib or tofacitinib and methotrexate should be considered equivalent therapeutic alternatives in biologic DMARD naive RA patients. Um, etanercept and methotrexate present the highest response, but I have to say the confidence intervals here are very large and the, the sample size is very small and I wouldn't place a lot of clinical uh, confidence on that particular observation at present. Uh, the, 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 the clinical equivalence of these drugs allows for their selection in accordance with cost comparison criteria for the most affected individuals. But in clinical practice, drug preference may differ for other reasons, for example, comorbidities, safety, local availability, and always um, the, the experience of the clinicians and, uh, and patient preference. So the, the, the third paper that I, I'm not going to discuss in detail in this podcast examined the safety profile of baricitinib in active uh, rheumatoid arthritis people from Japan uh, and concluded that there was no major difference to other populations with the exception of a potentially higher rate of herpes zoster which was judged to be manageable by the authors of the paper and I think is already something we've become very familiar with as we've looked at safety profiles for the JAK inhibitors across different populations. Now, please don't forget that all the content uh, discussed in this podcast is available uh, in more detailed slide format in the publications section of sightinesigling.com. The slides there are absolutely great. You should go take them, use them for your own educational purposes and that for others. And please do subscribe to our podcast channel. Let us know what you think by reviewing our podcast. Uh, and most of all, thanks ever so much for listening. I really do hope this is helpful to you in your clinical practice. And I'll look forward to talking with you again.